0: All right, this is the A. I'm Reg Clay. Usually I would have Norman G. here, but uh, Norman is away. He is uh, working on As You Like It. But I have a fantastic guest, Paul Plain. How you doing, Paul?
1: I'm great. Fantastic. <laughs> this is awesome.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. We uh, shared the stage at the um, Town Hall Theater. We were, did uh, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, and uh, you've done a bunch of other shows. You uh, finished Hairspray.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah, and
0: uh, and now you are rehearsing for. There's another show. Which show is that?
1: Uh, the new Steve Martin Edie Brickell musical. It's called Bright Star. At the CCCT, right? Yes, yes, in yeah. El Cerrito.
0: Right on. Yeah, no, I love this CCCT. I've uh, been there a couple of times, and uh, boy, you've just been really, really busy. Um, yes. Hairspray, uh, Women on the Verge of Nervous Breakdown. Um, there it's, was been a,
1: a, it's been a great year. Um, it, it's it's. I I don't know. The area here is just exploding with stuff to do if you're an actor. I mean, I started this year um, in the Diary of Anne Frank at Center Rep. Mm -hmm. Then I went to uh, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, uh, which I'm guessing was a Bay Area premiere. Um, Then I went from that into Hairspray. Uh, I just actually finished Titanic in concert with 42nd Street Moon, which we did at the Alcazar. Oh, yeah. Now it's Bright Star. I have no private life.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, plus you have a day job, right?
1: Yes I do. I wow. work for Patelco.
0: Patelco, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh the credit union. Yes, the credit union. Right on. Uh yeah, and it's a heat wave, so I've got the uh if you hear some ambient sound like uh the birds, uh I've got the my screen door is open so that we can get a little bit of uh, air in here. Yes. Um it's Saturday. Yeah, yeah, it's Saturday. So uh usually I will go through some current events. Uh there's just an um some stuff. I haven't written a lot of stuff going on. Um, Bolton has uh, left. Uh, Trump has fired yet another individual. Uh, the
1: revolving door there. <laughs> yes. Right, right, exactly. What a great, great White House. <laughs> Not. Yeah. Anyway.
0: How, how, uh, how, and this is something that I ask everyone. How are you, how are you dealing in the age of Trump? I mean, have, how are you, um, are you nervous about 2020? Are you yes. optimistic? Um,
1: I don't know. You know, I think the best thing about it is how how much it's woken up a lot of people, how fragile your own democracy is. Yeah. And I, I like to look at it from that angle. I mean, um, I, I don't normally get political a lot, but it's, it's sort of something that eats away at you because uh, I used to wake up every morning and, and look at the headlines and see, you know, what's going on now. It, it's so – uh, interesting to me that you can really have a scandal a week, and like there's scandals with this thing that I I now totally forget about because it yeah yeah exactly it just keeps piling on <clears throat> yeah you know.
0: yeah I remember last week we were talking about the uh, the Alabama map where he um, <laughs> oh, fabricated okay. the map yeah oh that yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and of course we forget about it, because there's always something new going on and uh, there's so yeah, I'm optimistic as well. It's you're absolutely right. I think that we've we've woken up. I often say freedom is not free. You know, we pay through it through mm-hmm. being civically active, and there's a price to pay when you're not, when you don't vote. And, and I,
1: I also think too that that y- you know you can say what you want about what you think should happen, but mm-hmm. until he is gone and someone is firmly in that room working, then you'll know. Yep. Uh, because I think we we, we second guessed. A lot the last time because everybody just thought she would win, and I'm I'm thinking I read a couple of those books, and I think they thought he would, she would win.
0: Yeah, all now, the polls had uh, Hillary Clinton winning, and um, it, you know it was just a couple of d- districts. You know I've had a lot of folks say that the Electoral College should be eliminated because it's not very democratic anymore. Yeah, relevant yeah. anymore. Um, I don't know what the solution is. Well, obviously the solution is to get out and vote, I, and I hope that. A candidate, you know, a Democratic candidate, will, will uh, one of the things that frustrates me about hearing these um, debates is that you have people attacking one another, like Julian Castro attacking Biden and, yeah. you know, all these little turf wars. Of course, we want, you know, the people are trying to win the candidacy. but
1: I, And I think there should be one main objective, and that's to get him out. Yep. That's yep. above everything. We can solve the rest after that. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. I t- that's uh, the
1: top of the paragraph <coughs> to me.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Well, let's get into an origin story. Um, how did you get involved in theater?
1: Um, where
0: were you born and raised here? I was
1: born and raised in New Jersey.
0: Wow. Um boy. Yes. <laughs>
1: Springsteen. Uh, I was born um, in New Jersey. I was. Raised there, um, my father was in the broadcasting industry at NBC. Wow! Um, most of our Christmases were at NBC. He went from there into Madison Avenue, so he's like a madman, you know. Yeah. Um, he 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 carries with him a wide range of broadcasting history, all the way from blacklisting through through Vietnam up through through now. He he actually worked with McDonald's as a sponsor at the ad agency to get. Sesame Street on the air. So wow! So we have the um, original pilot script. Uh, uh, he actually has it in his collection at home too. That's um, like
0: the birth of the public, the PBS public broadcasting system. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: He was deeply involved in that whole thing. Wow! Uh, and uh, he actually wrote and directed a pilot uh, that only had one airing in I think like sixty-nine or seventy or something, but. Uh, our whole background, My, I'm I'm the youngest of four. My brother John uh, works for Kaiser in Oakland. My sister is a um, space planner. She work, looks after my dad right now. And uh, my other sister is a, a, a corporate trainer for a, a medical supplies company mm. in, in Jersey. Yeah. Um, now,
0: is that Newark or uh, I have family in? Jersey City. Jersey City. Oh, right on. Right. right on.
1: Yeah, we were raised at the shore, Red Bank, which is like mid, mid-Jersey. Got it. Um, and uh, ever since I was a kid, I don't know what it is. I think a lot of us ask, seek an explanation in ourselves where this started. Yeah. But I just, I, I went to a few shows with my mom. My mom was a great uh, sort of seminal force in my life, mm-hmm. trying to drive me forward and saying, say, maybe this is what you should do. Because um, when I was a little kid, I used to watch musicals. Um, when I got to be a teenager, I started working in them. Um, I got my equity card at one point, and I toured in a couple of shows and dropped it to teach. Uh, I've just always been involved in theater. Mm. Um, I was trying to branch out a little bit uh, in film and television, but my roots are basically in musical theater, and a lot of it is because I enjoyed uh, the wholeness of a story, uh, the expressions in a story, and how music and, and dance elevated it. I'm pretty fascinated by dance now, and I'm... I'm not in my 20s, so yeah, the, body's, I, yeah. the body's <laughs> not answering back on that aspect. Right, yeah.
0: Um, and you you are a great vocalist. I mean, you know, seeing working with you on stage, you know, you just have a great vocal presence. And you and I have talked... When we were doing our rehearsal process, you know, all the musicals that we've enjoyed that y- you've been involved in, like Sweeney Todd, you know, you were the Demon Barber I, at one point.
1: Yes, at Alameda Civic Alameda Civic Light Opera. Yeah.
0: When did you begin your vocal training? Did that begin when you were young?
1: Um, it, I took a lot in college, but, um, a lot of it was through shows. It's only in the last two or three years that I've actually gone weekly to a coach, mm. uh, and worked with him at the ballet school in, in Walnut Creek, okay. um, So, yeah, it's been mostly through that, especially having just done Titanic and playing uh, Thomas Andrews. Mm. I had to really work on those skills.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's wonderful that your mother really supported you. Um, Did your dad?
1: Yes. Yeah, very much. Because he he was more in the industry in terms of the business side. I mean, he was, uh, you know – he was in the advertising game. He was a link between NBC and, and Needham, Harper and Steers, which was a lot of the agencies there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, um, I grew up around that. Um, one of the great things my mom used to do was sometimes we would drive to school and she would drop the others off and she would take me to New York and I'd see a wow. show. Wow! If I knew if I knew the car drove past school, I knew we were going to a show and I was like, oh my yeah. god, this woman is awesome.
0: And this was must have been during the 70s. I mean, you know, the 70s. There, there was sort of an explosion of, like, new musicals. Um, uh, you had Hair, Godspell. It
1: was a lot of experimentation. There was a lot of room. And it also was the age of um, uh, Sondheim and Prince's collaboration. Yes, yes. You know, with, with company. I saw the first preview of Sweeney Todd. Uh, at the Uris at that time, um, I, I actually went back and saw it six more times. Uh, I think I think it's it's interesting that show because it inspired me more than anything.
0: Oh yeah, Lynn, you, so you saw the original with Lynn Carew yes. and um, Angela, Angela Lansbury. Lansbury. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wow, that's amazing. And yeah, Sweeney Todd. I remember uh, I was in I was in Duke Ellington School of the Arts, and uh, they had the recording, the um, the record of Sweeney Todd. They let us listen to it. It was the first musical I'd ever listened to. And I was just transfixed. It helped me know what's
1: possible. Yeah. Uh, because I think what it deals with, um, I- in terms of the stage, it, it just says to you how far you can push things, what you can add. A, a thriller doesn't really work on stage because the, uh, it's live in your presence. On mm. film, it's a, you can cut away and use effects. This helped me like know what is possible. It also helped me see an audience enthralled. In mm-hmm. a story,
0: yeah, and also w- with a lot of one of the problems with a lot of musicals, in my opinion, is that it focuses on young people and young issues. And um, Sweeney Todd, of course, you had such a range of ages. There mm-hmm. was um, there was a, there
1: was a uh, I did a whole um, my freshman year in college. Uh, I did a whole a sort of symposium lecture with Eugene and Fran Lee Mm -hmm. uh, who were the designers of the show. And and we talked with Harold Prince over several sessions. And one of the things he said was he was more interested in the musical form in terms of what went on outside the borders of the stage, Mm -hmm. what happened when those people walked off stage and what was going on. Yeah. And I I just thought, wow, wow, wow. Yeah. I've never thought about it like that. And, you know, we just lost him, and he was a, just a, an icon. That guy to listen to him, to mm-hmm. be transfixed by him, was something else.
0: Yeah, that's part of history. I mean, you know, you actually speaking with Hal Prince—that's that's something you can never take away.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <so> <laughs> yeah. I, I I I thought to myself at one point, you know, if I play this role, which I did, I was gonna think that's it, and it <laughs> was kind of dumb because. There's just a limitless amount of roles.
0: Oh, um, of course. You know. I mean, there, there's almost a new revolution, I mean, with what um, the guy who wrote um, bl- Drawing a Blank, Hamilton, and um, Lin- 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 Lin-Manuel, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Miranda, Miranda, yeah, you yeah. know, he is transfixing how theater is.
1: He is, and he's opening up more avenues in terms of casting. Yes. And he's blowing up the casting mold, and, and, mm-hmm. and I think it's I think it's an awesome thing mm-hmm. because – you're seeing stories you've never seen before you know it's like one of my favorite shows on television was orange is the new black and i've been following that for six years and those are stories uh, i would have never encountered those kinds of people and now i see like it's just a richer version of humanity
0: yep yeah yeah it's amazing um now where did you study did you study musical theater uh
1: i studied at um i started out at um, montclair state in new jersey I spent a semester at NYU, Um, I priced (laughs) myself out of that, (laughs) and then I ended up uh, coming out here because my dad was working out here Mm -hmm. in uh, Sacramento. Oh, okay. I graduated from Sac State. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it was basically uh, in drama with an emphasis on musical theater.
0: Yeah. I'm always interested in in techniques, like uh, when I I went to NYU as well, uh, undergraduate drama, and uh, I was in the circle and the square um, section and they focus a lot on method acting, but you know, there are all sorts of versions. I mean, there, there's, um, Meisner, St- Meisner, Stella Adler, um, all sorts of techniques. What, what sort of techniques did you w- connect with you?
1: Uh, the Meisner stuff with the repeating, mm-hmm. like those exercises, it gets you out of your head. Um, it makes it more real. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it too was, I, I was focused mainly on l- more lighthearted stuff. And, um, uh, when you, you use sense memory yeah yeah oh a, yeah a lot of that stuff too I uh, um because I did a a lot of straight plays too to uh, call upon that and, mm-hmm. you know.
0: yeah I, I love the sense of memory we were talking about that on another episode where let's say if you had to convey an emotion let's say the last time you broke up with a girlfriend or a boyfriend and uh, what was the music like what what did it smell like mm-hmm. you know what was the color of his or her eyes or whatever, and all of a sudden the memories just you know yeah snap a- back and in. I um
1: it was funny because the <laughs> opening night of Sweeney Todd, mm-hmm. my whole family was there, like my mom and my dad, mm-hmm. my, my mom passed away about eleven years ago, and mm-hmm. uh, after it was over with, I came out to greet my dad, and my dad goes, "Your mom's been in the bathroom for like a half hour, and she comes out and she looks at me and she said, "I never knew you could be that mad wow and uh and I said. It's uh, acting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow. But you wow. drew, but yeah. that
1: came from drawing on stuff. Sure. Uh, stuff happened to me when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and I just you know, uncorked it. And part of it, too, is you have to draw the line between it becoming therapeutic for you and yes. what's right for the character.
0: Yes, I've said often, uh, theater is therapeutic, but it's not therapy. <laughs> you can't work awesome. out your stuff on, on stage. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, And unfortunately, you know, there are folks who uh, find out the hard way. You know, let's say you tap into an emotion doing a character and all of a sudden the emotions take over you. Yeah. And it's not about the play anymore.
1: No. And I did uh, another show with somebody going through a lot of heavy problems and Mm. they worked them out on stage. Mm. You know, and when you're out there with them, it is a lesson in what you can do to, to, you know, not so much cover up, but make whatever's working work in that scene. Sure. And then help. Afterwards,
0: yeah, know. yeah, exactly. Have you ever directed before?
1: Yes, you uh, have. Uh, I I used to run my own. Um, uh, I ran a small company for advanced kids. Okay. Um, called Youth Theater Ensemble YTE, and we we did six seasons in the Lafayette area, and uh, in the um, a little bit in Walnut Creek too. Mm-hmm. So I, I I had a two hour class, oh no, a three hour class on Saturdays. Yeah. And we had a total of ten kids, and they mm-hmm. would one hour would be song when I would be dance when I would be acting and then I I would devote another hour to the business Mm -hmm. and then they would develop a season and six of them would be leads six would be supports and then they would switch Mm -hmm. so it became its own sort of thing Uh, we did it for about six years and I was very very proud of them to um, I directed most of the shows too I also directed the area premieres of High School Musical Disney in um, San Francisco with Ray of Light and then in um, Mm -hmm. Wallet Creek at Mm -hmm. a place
0: called Crossroads. Nice, nice. What happened to the uh, the company? Did
1: it I was uh, well. It was it was like I was I was doing it for six years, and I I just wanted to get back on stage. Sure, <laughs> because you can do when you're running a nonprofit, running a company, it's you twenty four seven. And I I was very proud of what it, what we did. I wanted to give it to somebody else, but they were like, "You're the driving force in this," so I just decided. To move on to another part of life,
0: what? Yeah, what a shame. I mean, uh, you would think that if you have, if you're doing something fantastic, then other people would see how wonderful it is and want to keep it keep, keep it going. Yeah, no, um,
1: they talk about it. They have their own <laughs> Facebook, and they keep in touch with each other. And mm-hmm. I was very proud of it. One of them works in Washington. One of them's a lawyer. You know, one of them uh, is a travel writer. A couple have gone on into shows. Mm-hmm. Um, Will Scripp, who was in our group. Uh, is works all the time. In, um, he was just in West Side Story at, mm-hmm. at Berkeley Playhouse and he's in Chicago now. At oh, nice. York. So yeah, we developed a lot of great kids.
0: Yeah, no, no, that's fantastic. Now, you came to the Bay because your dad had to work, right?
1: Um, my dad was transferred, well, I, transferred, no, he, he got a job with PBS. Okay. He started working in Sacramento and then I, I was in Sacramento for a long time. I was at um, Music Circus working there and I ended up in the Bay because I went with a friend of mine who was running an educational theater company and I decided to go. Why do not I try this for a while? <laughs> sure.
0: And what year are we talking?
1: Uh probably about 15 years ago.
0: Okay, so that's around 2000? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I came around 97 and uh, got involved in theater. At around 2000 and uh, it's when I tell people, you know, how because San Francisco itself was changing, you know, yeah. the Moscone Center was still being built. Uh, Willie Brown uh, you saw sort of the emergence of um I don't want to say the dot com culture but money was coming in yeah and um, theater was sort of idyllic I mean you know I worked with the Phoenix theater when it was over at Geary street yeah. um, th- the exit theater and uh, the darkroom theater was still going on um, have definitely you s- a
1: different ma- sort of mode to it now yeah um, with a lot of like the the Twitter Twitter people and, sure and you know I just did um uh, I've just done two shows with a relatively new company called Bay Area Musicals, mm-hmm. um, "Crazy for You," and then I just did Titanic. Uh, no, no, different. No, I did a Hairspray. I get confused. Yeah, <laughs> at the Victorian. Yeah, yeah. At, at the Victoria. And uh, he, Matthew, is just a driving force. He's yeah. Just he works so hard, mm-hmm. you know, to get this stuff done, and and you you realize well, how, how hard this work is, yeah. too, you know, and, but the payoff is unlike anything you will ever know, you know. Yeah,
0: I tell younger people, because I think that's a problem with with theater now. How do you get young people to put away the phones and put away the YouTube videos and mm-hmm. go into a theater and watch live theater? There's something about live theater that you can't get anywhere else.
1: No, it's its, its own thing. It's, yeah. it's funny because one of the things uh in Titanic was which was I did with with moon was the having a that big of an orchestra we mm-hmm. have 26 pieces behind us wow um it it just calls into mind the live experience mm-hmm. there's, there's nothing like it yeah and it feeds you in a way that any mm-hmm. phone tech or whatever can't
0: yeah you know? yeah yeah that is exactly right so um it, yeah it's it's one of those things where y- you just have to experience it. And I hope that um, – what I was going to ask you is the demise of, of – Do you uh, what do you think of the state of theater now? Do you think that b- – because you know more probably about the business of theater mm-hmm. uh, probably better than a lot of actors or whatever who d- really don't see what happens behind uh, closed doors or whatever.
1: Uh, it's hard to say because I find like every time people think it's dying – you know like this year I've worked in five different shows
0: yeah yeah that's right it's
1: just like bam bam it may it might be because I'm a I'm a guy and where I am in life age wise or I don't know Mm -hmm. I just know those opportunities keep popping up yeah uh, and I find there's more of them around here lately than (laughs) ever ever before I I would say one of the things I'd want to watch out for is the future Mm -hmm. is how are we going to build more audiences I While older people walking in to watch a show are awesome, we have to be aware that they'll be gone soon. Yep, no, that's right. And that who's going to fill those seats I think is a is a destiny that we have to sort of answer.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And when I think of companies that continue to use old musical or old material, mm-hmm. I think, hey, you know, how are you going to get young folks to watch Showboat again, or I don't know, Poor Again, Best, or something no, like that? No, yeah, and
1: it's it's like uh, if you get an interesting take on it, or if you have an idea about it, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm kind of interested. But hauling out the stuff and just doing it the same way, why? You right, know? exactly. You need, you need a fresh voice. Yeah, that's why I'd come to listen to. And because it's got to make th- that experience of sitting down and watching a show. If you're 17 or 18 or whatever, and I know a lot a lot of that do, but mm. but it's because I run in those circles. Sure, um, I I spent a long time teaching in schools the last couple of years as a visitor, and mm. people look at you and they they are like, huh? Can <laughs> we mm. do, can we do what you know? Mm. Uh, I find that that the live experience educates better than anything else. We Absolutely. I, I I just did um, Diary of Anne Frank at Center Rep, and we had discussions afterwards with. Uh, uh, schools that come in and a lot of them were superbly intelligent and then there are others who will ask you i don't even know what the holocaust is
0: wow y- you wonder what are they teaching in schools you well know yeah
1: and it also wakens your mind up to your own perception of of how you might be too removed mm-hmm. you, know, you might always think well they must know what that is you know well they don't
0: yeah you know, you know
1: oh yeah that's what this art form can educate
0: yeah, I remember I – so last year I produced a show uh, that I wrote, Four Men in Paris, and it dealt with civil rights. It dealt with Richard Wright, James Baldwin, and we had some young cast members who didn't know who James Baldwin was. Wow. Uh, and I'm like – and I tried to suppress myself, like, how could, how could that yeah. be possible? But I was like, hey, it's not their fault. If they weren't taught it, then how could they know? Yeah. So, yeah, theater has a uh, – that's a part of the job to be done is education as well as entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, I had um, – Sheila Vera, uh, Verabontes on and of course she was in Women on the Verge with us and she talked about, um, we got in, in talking about age um, and especially and we were talking from a women's perspective you know like a women who are used to being young and 20 and being vibrant on the stage and having lots of roles and opportunities and then when they get to be a certain age they're aged out of certain roles they don't feel oh, as welcome.
1: They become invisible. Right. It's the same Just thing like with song, guys. song, too, yeah.
0: And also I was going to ask you, uh, do you find that you're, it's easy or difficult, or are you still getting roles? Obviously, you, you've been busy, but...
1: Well, I'm a, yeah, I'm, I'm a guy. Sure. You know, the, the opportunities are different if you're a woman. Sure. You know, you have to, y- you know, be aware that. I, I've noticed the ageism around here is pretty bad, mm. like in, in shows. Yeah. Especially... Especially if you audition for something, and they call in you to audition, and you're right in the rage range, and then you don't get it, and you go see it, and it's someone 20 or 30 years younger than you, and you're like, I have no idea what it is you thought that would prove, you know? Right, exactly. And it's like, it's not going to pull in 10 more people (coughs) in your seats, you know, Um, I just, I've run into it a lot,
0: a lot. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, I mean, of course, if you're a young actor, it's great to be on stage, but... There's not a lot of experience you can do. I mean, there are roles that I simply could not do mm-hmm. at the age of 20, 22,
1: 23. So oh, I don't ever go for things that I know I'm not right for. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, not, I mean, I'm not an idiot. I mean, I, I kind of like scan the thing and go, well, am I around that? Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you have to be honest and, and look at yourself in the mirror and look yeah. where you are. Don't,
0: you, you don't delude you yourself. You don't say, well, I'm, uh, maybe I can be 30, 32 Got or something like that. Yeah. Never.
1: And the other thing is, is I don't want to. You yeah. know, like it's like I, I, like I was Danny Zuko and Greece for like six months, and I've done that. Like I've mm-hmm. done that. Like one of the things I've discovered about this is is what drove you when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Now at this point in life, you're like, okay, I got – I don't want to say I got what I wanted because sometimes you don't. Yeah. But some of the things I did get, and I <laughs> got it, and I, I was like, okay, that's what that was like. Right. You know, and part of your, your whole being is like, well, what now? Right what now. Mm-hmm. I, I, that was the thing I said as a kid I wanted, mm-hmm. and I got it. It sounds weird and selfish, but it's just something I'm grappling with right now, I think.
0: As far as what you want now or the future?
1: The future and what I want now. Yeah. Or or to stop.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, it's funny. Uh, my dad, he, my dad is a singer, and uh, we often talk about art. And um, he basically said, to make a long story short... If I can't sing anymore, then it's, it's like, why am I living? You know, this is what I do. This mm-hmm. is what I am. And I get the sense that if he, you know, he continues to perform, whether it be at churches or little small gatherings. Anywhere. But anywhere, he, he just has to keep that motor running.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like you, you walked into a room that you left two yeah. days ago. Right, right. The room you love being in. Yeah. You know, and I, like this morning, I had a voice le- I had a voice lesson for an hour this morning. Mm-hmm. And I, I love it and I look forward to it and I bring material in to work on to do that, because part of me too was working on a one-man show.
0: Oh yeah, right, too, yeah.
1: called, I was calling it the Plain Truth, and mm-hmm. you know, there you go, Paul Plain, <laughs> just something, you know. Because yeah, yeah. I, I really, really love comedy. I like, is that know, right? Comedy. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm an a Saturday Night Live fanatic, <laughs> uh, fanatic. And I just
0: saw uh, there's another podcast the Joe Rogan Report, and he had Dan Aykroyd on, mm-hmm. and they were talking about the old days of Saturday Night Live.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've tried to, you know, apply for a writing job. I've Anything that used to be the B end and the end all for me. I yeah. mean, I, I recognize it's now like the uncle that won't leave the room, whereas it used to be the fresh young kid. Mm, sure. Um, but uh, it still, to me, is the only live theater on television.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, um, sometimes I wonder if it jumps the shark every now and then, but, you know, they're, they're, they're trying. They brought in three new people.
1: But what I like about it is when it fails, it fails big. Sure. And it fails honestly. Yeah. And so when you watch them, you know, screw up or have mm-hmm. a bad sketch or a bad show, mm-hmm. it's honest. Yeah. And you, part of me as a performer watches it because um, uh, we had a family relation that used to date a cast member on the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, right. And okay, – cool. um, she used to say that it's not just about the three, the audience in the studio, but then you realize that there are how many millions of people are actually watching you at home. Yeah. So your performance begins to adjust, uh, you yeah. know, yeah. and you're also racing from room to room to perform. So yeah, that's part of the appeal to me with the the high wire act that I think is still there.
0: Yeah, I think it's still there as well. I think, uh, I mean, obviously, I guess you it's and a survivor. I. survivor. You and I remember, you know, the age where uh, it all began in the late '70s. I remember the
1: first show, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And it was during a time I was talking with uh, Norman. Sort of a cultural clash in the '70s. You had ultra-conservative producers like Sherman Schwartz, who brought on The Brady Bunch yeah. and uh, Gilligan's Island, that sort of stuff. But then you had guys like Norman Lear, who brought in All in the Family. Yeah. And, of course, the folks who created... I
1: still watch All in the Family on YouTube. Yeah. It is a (laughs) masterpiece. There is such great acting on that show. Oh, yes. It is like watching a superb one-act every week. Yeah. I mean, those two played each other like an instrument.
0: Yeah, Carol O'Connor and and Gene uh, Gene Stapleton.
1: Brilliant work.
0: Yeah. No, they were fantastic. And I remember WKRP in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of other very edgy sort of uh, comedy that sort of spoke to realness instead of trying to paint some idyllic it 1950s it thing. Yeah,
1: and it was that age where um, you had television like Lucille Ball and sure. Petticoat Junction, and suddenly All in the Family appears. Yeah. And it's like knocking on the door, and mm-hmm. she fought against it. And then, you know, it, it's funny to me because that I, I read stories about how Blazing Saddles and Mame were shot on the same lot. Wow. <laughs> and so <laughs> y- you, think to yeah. yourself, you think to yourself, well, here's like old school musical mm-hmm. versus this brash you know, comedy on mm-hmm. the same lot, and you think it's almost like eras clashing into each other.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, it really is. And of course, you have all of this in the Nixon administration, and yeah, there, there was a tug of war. My yeah.
1: my dad uh, was—he um, tells me the story all the time about he spent a week with Lucille Ball. Wow! Uh, and he—he, he, she was a guest on this. Uh, one of his 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 clients was. I guess it was McDonald's or something, but they were doing Mm -hmm. one of these, like, cheesy 70s Steve and specials. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so one of the guests they wanted was Lucille Ball, and she was doing MAME at the time in the 70s at Warner's, Mm -hmm. and she couldn't get to Vegas where Steve and were taping everything. Mm -hmm. So they taped a sketch where Steve and were talking to her, but she was never in the same room. Hmm. She was on the lot at Warner Brothers, and they were in Vegas, and so he had to be there. Mm -hmm. With her, yeah. to to facilitate the whole thing. He said he went to the lot, and he said he was a little nervous. And he walked into her dressing room, and she turned around and said, "Hi, John," and ta- asked about me and asked about my mom. And, wow! And the whole thing. Point being is that she knew every single person she was going to work with. Wow! And she was. She, he said to me. It, it astonishes me that she was one of the smartest business wo- women at that time that yeah. he'd ever met. Yeah. That she was just a whip smart, brilliant well, woman. Well,
0: people people don't know that Desi Lou Productions would not have happened without um, Lucille Ball. Yeah. I mean, that was a production company that created Star Trek.
1: Yeah. But he said he walked into the sound stage with her, where Here's Lucy was, and she was like, Hi, Bill. Hi, Jeff. Hi, he knew everybody's first name. Wow. How's the wife? You know, mm-hmm. it was her family. And. And that just kind of inspired me. Share a personal you know. connection, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that you have to you, – you make the – when you do this stuff, you, you create this amazing link mm-hmm. between people. And now we have the Facebook thing where you don't have any history. It's just all one present. Well, sure. <laughs> you know. That's
0: one of the great ironies of the Internet. I mean you have an abundance of riches as far as connecting with people, yet I feel people connect less. Or the connection is superficial. Yeah. Like, oh, I've got 50,000 friends. Are they really your friends? <laughs> They're really friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone will,
1: someone will message you and they'll be like,
0: wait, who are you? Right. <laughs> How do I know you? <laughs> <laughs> because this
1: thing now has gone on for 10, 15 years or whatever. Sure. And, and I have like 2,000 friends and half of them. I'm like, oh, wait, I'm going to look this up. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> Which I'm sure they do with me, too. You know.
0: Yeah. As far as comedy, have you thought about doing um, stand-up?
1: scariest thing. Ever. Uh, yes. <laughs> like that's the one have, thing. Have you done it? No. Okay. No, I have not because I just, <laughs> just would be terrified. There's been times when I've like, I've done it but haven't known I was doing it. Sure. You know, at yeah. parties or something. and mm-hmm. you No, know, never have.
0: It's, well, comedy really scares me. I think that comedy is far more – far more um, – Tedious than than um, than drama because with drama you know it, you know it's all there right there on the page, yeah. but comedy brings so much of you and you have to have such a connection with um the, who you're working well, with. Well,
1: yeah, and I I um, I don't know if I'm reading this or whatever, but I, a conversation that they had with um, uh, somebody at SNL who kept saying, um, Will Ferrell. Used to, used to go out there. Oh, Bill Hader was saying it. Like, mm-hmm. like Bill Hader is one of my heroes. Yeah. I love Bill Hader. And uh, when I, he was saying that Will, Will Ferrell would say, You should go out there and really enjoy sucking. <laughs> that you should revel <laughs> in it. And if you yeah. know it's not working, you should push it even further. Mm. And that's like courage, man. I yeah. Uh,
0: to withstand, you know, um, the booze, if there's going to be booze or whatever. You or know, just
1: people not laughing. Yeah. You know, that you kind of go, I'm. It, it, comedy is a reactive thing. Sure. You know, it's it's, a, it's much harder to do than drama, mm-hmm. you know, and you get out there and, you know, you, you, me, we had nights a couple of times when nobody was laughing. Or
0: yeah, you know. yeah, you don't know what the audience is, and of course with mm-hmm. theater, I think theater is a lot more safer than stand-up because you just follow the script and, you know, you just keep going. Yeah. But you really do have to react with comedy and... Uh, I mean,
1: and like the, the character I was playing, and I sure. got called out a couple of times from the audience several names oh you know. well
0: oh yeah because well uh, yeah the character that you had was this you know gigolo sort of guy who was messing around with a bunch of women yeah and uh but of course that shows that you know your character was working
1: yeah and then i'd leave and go home and some woman would stop me and go "Ooh, are you a dog you know or something, <laughs> something, like, something like that and i'd be oh, like jeez oh, this is just a show it's, it's a play
0: a <laughs> right exactly <laughs> you know Have you thought about – you mentioned that you were – you had your uh, equity card. Um, Are you still equity?
1: Um, I am. You know, it's funny. I just did – when I did Dan Frank, everybody was equity except for maybe two or three of us. And Mm -hmm. and I was checking in about uh, equity membership candidate stuff, and I found out I already have 25 points, and I need five more. Mm -hmm. And that would be it. And I think I want to do it because – um, I know that as the future comes, that maybe the opportunities will get less and less, and I want something in my life that is a sort of a guidepost, yeah. of, as to what I did. You know? y- yeah,
0: you know, we've talked to a lot of folks on the A, and some have been very pessimistic about equity. It's like, well, if I do this, I'd have to leave San Francisco because there's no jobs. Yeah, that's uh, true. equity jobs. Yeah,
1: that's true. It's a risk you take. Yeah, you know. On the other hand, too, it could force you to move to a, to a bigger market with mm-hmm. a lot more opportunities yeah. you know, for you. And, of
0: course, a lot more competition. But
1: I'm always curious, and this is something I don't really know about, is what is the deal for character actors? I mean, I, I, I worked out a leading man stuff, and now, like, character actor stuff is coming around a lot. Is there a, a select group of guys like that or women? that Like, I don't know what the casting deal in, that in terms of that is. Mm-hmm. I, I just go in and do the best that I can, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll, I guess it's sort of going into the market and just seeing and, you know, just auditioning. Have you thought about film, television, even I've done YouTube a couple videos?
1: Of, I've done a couple of films. Okay. Too. Um, I worked on Ant-Man and the Wasp. Wow. Uh,
0: Marvel Cinematic Universe. Y-
1: yes, I did. T- I did. Um, Well, it's like one of those things that I call "blink if you'll miss them" performances because yeah,
0: hey, it's better than nothing. Yeah, Uh,
1: uh, we were on the wharf a couple of nights Uh for the uh, climactic battle. I got asked to be Michael Douglas's uh, double Mm -hmm. for some shots, and I mean that in the sense that you go in, you try on their outfit, they Mm -hmm. aim camera and light and stuff, and then you take that off and he comes in and he does it. Okay, you know. So I did that after. uh, Billy Elliot which mm-hmm. I did in Walnut Creek. Um I did that. I did a um uh The Rocks movie and what was it the earthquake thing? Oh uh, um yeah. San Andreas. That's San it. Andreas, right. yes. San Andreas and you know, actually pretty good. We were uh, yeah. we were on that for about 2 or 3 weeks and um I learned, like, there's a pecking order, where to stand. You learn all the social things about, mm-hmm. you know, when you're on a film set. It's, it's so different than theater. And when yeah. the camera pulls in, you can't just look right at it, you know. Right, right, exactly. I've I think, l- yeah, go ahead. If you see the film, I think at one point, I'm the guy with the purple suit on covered in soot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> at one point. And The Rock, or, or Wayne, or whatever he calls himself. Wayne, like. yeah. Dwayne, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he is a huge man. He's huge like i i don't understand anybody that would want to mess with that guy because he is just a wall of muscle and
0: yeah he used to walk around
1: with us and he'd say things like hey it's not san andreas fault
0: (laughs) (laughs) funny 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 um i know a lot of folks listening now would love to know how do you get those jobs i mean do you have an agent or do you just go out in on the internet and find these jobs
1: uh i submitted to casting roles um just randomly i got People joke around with me now because I don't really have a good headshot anymore. <laughs> uh, I submit to um, – I look under Bobineau and a couple of other things in the area about who's who's in town, mm-hmm. like looking for that kind of work. And you, you sort of submit, and that's how I ended up doing, doing stuff. And then when you're on these sets, and they are long, long waiting periods of mm-hmm. just sitting around. Yeah. You start talking to people, and then it is – I found for me it was a great way of making connections because the film world – is an entirely different world here than the theater world. They don't really mix, you know, in terms of people. Um, but I want to step into it more because it's something I have very little experience in.
0: Yeah. So, well, I mean, you've done, you've got two things on, under your belt, and you know that's good. And well,
1: I, I used to when I was in New York and everything. I, was, uh, I used to model sometimes mm-hmm. and did a lot of modeling. And um, I only say that because it's one step away from talking on yeah. film. Yeah. <laughs> you know. You just kind of like walk up down a runway, and you wear a nice outfit. And because I was six to six, mm-hmm. I would book work all the time too. Yeah. So How
0: uh, long did you spend in New York?
1: Uh, two or three years. Okay. Yeah, it was about that long. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that was around what what time period? Ninety uh, one or ninety two. Wow, I was just because I was there from eighty seven to ninety one. Actually, I uh, left in ninety two. Mm. Crazy time in New York. I talk about it all the time. Uh, the, you had the Central Park Five. Yeah. You had Yusuf Hawkins. Yeah. Uh, crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, and now it's you go there and it's like a bland, generic Yeah theme exactly. park ride. And,
0: uh, w- and, w- and what I'm talking about, it, I'm talking pre Giuliani. Giuliani yeah. cleaned everything up. And, of course, it's pre-9-11. I,
1: I went back there uh, a year ago for my high school reunion. Mm-hmm. And um, I, my sister lives in Jersey City, and I – I went into the city. Uh, we also uh, we took my dad in too. Mm-hmm. We took my dad in and we rolled him around there too. But I had yeah. a high school reunion and I realized how, how when you were a kid, and I say kid as in high school, sure, where you're like, oh my god, this is it, you know. Yeah. And but uh, there was a little part of me was that was afraid of of stepping even further into it, and because I would book modeling jobs and you know whatever that stuff fades so fast. Mm-hmm. But I would go around New York. And go, this is what I want, this is what I want. And then you come back now, and you're like, eh, there's jobs everywhere. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you, that's right. You, you learn and you grow.
0: Yeah. So. Have you thought about um, using the internet like, uh, I don't know, YouTube videos? Uh, oh, th- that's one thing I want to ask you because it's something that Norman has a pet peeve about. And uh, I haven't really gotten, but video um, auditions. Have you ever done that or well, yes. been asked to do that?
1: I've been asked to do it twice. Uh, I did a production of Guys and Dolls a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Where the director was on a couch in New York and you would sing into a laptop and, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. this open flap. and it, yeah. it, it, It's just – It. I still am not used to that Yeah, because it's not the live experience. Right. It's not what they will get in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it happens. Yeah. You know, it happens now all, all the time and – It's because it's an easy, usable way to get things to people fast. Yeah, and that's what you kind of did. I had to um, three years ago. I auditioned for a Broadway show for Sting's "The Last Ship."
0: Oh, nice! And they
1: sent the all the sides, and they sent stuff, and I I videotaped it in somebody's kitchen. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's just weird because it's still weird to me. It might become the norm, I think, in the future with all this technology and you know clashing in, but. Mm -hmm. The better thing about technology is it preserves performances now for the That's next right. 20 years. We yeah. We've lost so much by not having it. Mm-hmm. you know. And I say that because teaching a lot made me think I'd like to show them what an Ethel Merman can do or what – you know, what the greats can do, why yeah. they are great. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And you have to dig and find information, whereas now, you know, like Manuel Miranda, you can find anywhere, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And I know there are a lot of theater companies that are very skittish about filming or at least posting on film because of copyright issues if you're not – If it's not an original piece, uh, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I know.
1: Mm -hmm. I've just never seen the cops come in and go, stop doing that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think Norman was mentioning, I think it's Sam Shepard who, uh, I guess, polices where productions, whatever his, if anyone, someone's doing a production of his and uh, he'll do a cease and desist letter or whatever. Yeah. I think it's ridiculous. I mean, it's not harming, if anything, it's enhancing, you know, your work. Yeah. If you're a writer. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Yeah. So, um, w- it's 41, but I think we're, you know, its uh, I think we can sort of wrap it up. What, where do you think the state of theater is? I mean, do you think that things have gotten better since you first came to the Bay or, um, or uh, things were something? I mean, uh, have you had any bad experiences in, in theater?
1: Yes. Yeah, I've had some terrible ones. Oh, too, to Sherry. Too <laughs> around yeah. here. The, uh, there's some there are some companies that just don't know how to treat actors well, mm. or are disrespectful to them. Yeah. You know, um, who act like you are, you know, they're doing you a favor. You mm. know, and sometimes it's economics, and sometimes it's just being tired or whatever. But it's like, when someone comes to your room to give themselves to you, mm-hmm. you know, to me, I just be more respectful. Yeah. In, in yeah. all aspects. You know.
0: You know, it's interesting. I've talked to a lot of female actresses and I've asked them about sexual harassment or um, just um, because it, you don't, especially for young actors just coming out of school, you don't realize how powerful a director is. Mm-hmm. An eager actor will be like, yes, I'll do anything that you want me to do. I
1: used to be like that, yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's dangerous.
1: It's really dangerous. It's psychologically damaging. I had it really bad in Sacramento at a couple of places. Mm. And uh, uh, it tore me apart inside. Mm. Uh, I did a production of West Side Story in Sacramento. It was the worst experience of my life. Wow! You know, I was harassed constantly during it. And when I said no, uh, that director made my life a living hell. You know, on that. And I wanted to tell young people, you know, the Me Too thing is around now, and it's around for a reason. Mm-hmm. It is not that important that someone that you get that role. Yeah. And I mean that in terms of damaging yourself psychologically
0: yeah and the thing is when you are cast in a show you're married to that show for for as long as the rehearsal process is and the run of the show could be three months and it's you know theater is too you should have fun you know doing theater Uh, and
1: yeah and i i had somebody three years ago i was doing something around here where i i um was was going through stuff personally coming into rehearsal and being yelled at constantly, mm, just mm. yelled, yelled, yelled all the time to the point yeah. where I wanted to leave, you know, and I think nothing now of going, I don't need this, and mm-hmm. you're screaming at me when I come in here, and to me that also says that that person doesn't know what he or she is doing, Yeah, they're insecure and their rage is coming out on you, because yeah. I would never, never use that tactic with anyone, no matter how bad something got, you've got to drive another way to get what that needs out of people.
0: Absolutely. There are certain folks who really should not belong in theater. They're in theater for the wrong reason. Mm -hmm. I remember doing a show. I'm looking at the poster right there. I'm not going to mention the show. The director really didn't know what he was doing, and he was sort of – I think he was a visual artist. I think he just wanted to create pictures on stage, but it knew nothing about motivation, and he was just frustrating the actors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he would tell an actor, I want you to move there. The actor would say, why? You know, what am I doing? He's like, don't worry about it. Just do it because it looks good. In my head, <laughs> and yeah. yeah, in his in head. In my head, yeah. And yeah. he would just piss off the actors. And then he, I was the stage manager, and he didn't want to. Con- he didn't want to communicate with the actors. He became afraid of the actors because, mm-hmm. of, you know, he created this culture. Bec-
1: because he he or she would would know that they were they know that he or she would know mm-hmm. that they know that you don't know what you're doing exactly and, exactly, and that to him. It like, defeats the authority thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. And yeah. I've learned so much from uh, Norman, who is a uh, director, career director. Uh, when we did our show, of course, we were frustrated. There were certain actors who couldn't really get to, or we didn't really understand where they were going. And Norman had a, has a unique way of sort of getting into the actor's head, like asking subtle questions like, so, what was, you know, you, you went there, you had made a choice there, so, Talk to me about why you made that choice, mm-hmm. and sort yeah, well of mitigate. Y- y-
1: and, and you're inviting him into the collaboration, exactly. Which is a great director, yeah. and that to me is—I is want to follow that person, and I want to work with that person. I've worked in, in uh, Billy Elliot in Walnut Creek with a person who I just think the world of. She mm-hmm. is just a generous, wonderful soul. Yeah. And I would that. And what's funny about her is. <laughs> sure. Uh, Jenny uh, Dennison. Okay. Jenny, uh, um, I would carry a chair across the stage. Yeah. That's the kind of respect I have mm-hmm. for because it wasn't just creating lovely pictures, but mm-hmm. it, it was knowing how important you were to it. Yes. And I've been with people who couldn't give a damn whether you even showed up or not.
0: Yeah, I've had one director and actually a very famous director who um, wouldn't – it didn't say a word to me. It's like I'm doing it and I'm do- and I'm like – I'd like to have a little pat on the head, you know, let me know that I'm doing okay or whatever. This but i me. me. exactly. You know? But she had to <laughs> she had to focus on other folks, so I guess either weren't getting it or they they needed more work or whatever. Yeah. So I learned to realize, hey, if I don't get any acknowledgement at all, I've still got to do my job. The director will let me know if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I've had that and. Like last year, I was really fortunate to do Billy Elliot Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the year and the end of the year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, nice. So we bookended it, and one was the Berkeley production uh, where we had two two lads who Mm -hmm. were extraordinary, um, um, Parker Fulmer and then Mm -hmm. um, Maddie Dean. And Maddie ended up in four four callbacks for the West Side Story film, and (coughs) Parker's done the role a couple times, and then now Mm -hmm. this kid Braden King, who I just did it with, he's Yes, he uh, is going to be in *The Music Man* with Hugh Jackman. Oh, wow! You know, so
0: I heard about Hugh Jackman doing. Uh, I think he's doing more. It sounds like he's doing more musical theater, and well, I, yeah. never, I never. Go ahead.
1: Because I, I texted his mom and I said. So, is he eating breakfast with Wolverine yet? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, she's like, maybe, maybe it's coming, you know? <laughs> but for he only said to me for his birthday, he wants him to sing happy birthday to him. I, oh. I, I just, I love that kid. He, yeah. He's been like a, you know, fake son and mm-hmm. stuff,
0: so. No, no, that's awesome. You love hearing these success stories and. Yeah, um,
1: and it, the thing about him mm-hmm. was, I truly love that show, and I, I got to play his boxing coach the second time, and. Mm-hmm. and, and Doing electricity at the end, you would see a 14-year-old whirling around the stage like a gazelle. And, mm-hmm. you know, you'd think, what's he going to be like when he's 24, 34? You know, mm-hmm. It's like right. I was here mm-hmm. watching this. Yeah. And this is dynamite. Yeah. You know. yeah. This, is, this is something I used to teach kids. And I would say to kids, look for inspiration mm-hmm. for, for your passion in doing what you do. Because yeah. you're going to go through a lot of hell on the side. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad picking you up are you awake school you got to do all these factors into it sure you still got to you know be on stage
0: yeah exactly and also the hell of i mean um the expectations you are going to. I know every person who wants to be, uh, you know, an actor an actress. They want to be on Broadway. They want to have, you know, the big roles or whatever. You're going to have a lot of crappy roles. Yeah. But the thing is, you don't know <laughs> who's going to be out there and who you're going to be working with. You never know that that uh, variable
1: that's yeah. coming in. You know, you never know who's out there. You never know who's watching. You just have to do what you do. Yeah. You know. And do it well. I and mean, don't do, do it, do as it f- for. Do it for the the. The piece that you're doing, yeah. You no, know, don't do it because oh, am I on camera? Oh, know? right,
0: right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, when you look at your trajectory, where you were when you first began to now, are you satisfied? I mean, obviously, you know, your story isn't written as I mean, isn't finished as of yet. You know, you still have a long ways to go. But are you are you satisfied? Are you happy with yes. your trajectory?
1: Really, I really am. I I am. I mean, I did a. L- a I've kind of done what I wanted, yeah. and it's not like I've made a lot of money. But but if if that's a factor in what you're doing, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I've been very happy with uh, the opportunities I've gotten around here have been incredible. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've been – there are times when I go home and just crash on the bed and just go, that was enough. (laughs) You know, I mean, I'm single. Hello. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) uh, just – I don't know, a really big private life, but I'm looking for more – uh, and, and Where I am now in life to have one, because yeah. Because I've done a lot of these parts, and right. I could t- I could sp- I know I could speak for hours, but anyway, no, it's okay.
0: Yeah. No, 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 no. It, it's it's fine. And and this year, I mean, you know, you've done five roles already, and you're in rehearsals for another one. Actually, this will be your fifth one, right? Yeah, yeah. This yeah. year, it's so the most
1: despicable person I've ever played.
0: <laughs> oh, is that right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> even more despicable than the guy in uh, Women on the Verge.
1: Yeah, be- yeah. Uh, even, I don't know. Sweeney Todd, <coughs> I qualify that. <coughs> yeah. Excuse me, in a different category, this is but pretty. But you can
0: understand why Benjamin Barker does what he does. But
1: yeah, and it's not like he. And to me, he's not the villain in that. It's Mrs. Lovett mm-hmm. because she pushed everything over the edge. Yeah, he yeah. Just got in the so long talk point. about
0: this current uh, role that you're Being the <coughs> mayor now. Yeah.
1: Of. Uh, of um, a town in South Carolina <coughs> who was just fixated on getting his son forward in life. Mm-hmm. And, um, did I say this, there's a twist in the show mm-hmm. that you'll find out if you come see, uh, that, uh, the mayor puts in motion a pretty despicable act mm. uh, that, that changes the entire story and links, uh, what you're seeing together. I mean, it's this, this kid returns home from the war in 1946 to, um, uh, South Carolina to a small town. He decides he wants to become a writer. He goes out looking for a job, and he goes to a, a literary journal to get it. Um, he gets put on the staff and meets everybody and realizes that there's something something about it that he can't really explain. Mm. Um, and uh, that's kind of where the story has a fl- flashback on top of flashback. Yeah. Um, the music is all uh, Edie Brickell and Steve Martin. Oh, we have like a Fiddle and a banjo, and mm-hmm. just, it's all acoustic. Um, <clears throat> I think it's I think it's a pretty terrific show.
0: So. Yeah, and I've got the website right here, Bright Star, so we'll be advertising that. All right, so um, I'm going to list. Uh, there are a couple of birthdays. Uh, we usually do this uh, at the end of the show, and yeah, I'll yeah. list. <laughs> um, Abby Roan, his birthday is today. Uh, Abby and I, we were on stage uh, on before doing before the dream. Uh, which was a story about uh, Richard Wright that was 10 years ago. So, Abby, he is a, a local uh, actor, so his birthday is today. Also, Rajiv, oh, I'm going to screw his last name up, Rajiv uh, Vijay, Vijay Kamour, Vijay Kumar, I think. Vijay, he was our, uh, he built our sets for Four Men in Paris, which we did last year. And he was our sound designer. He was our lighting designer. He basically handled our tech, a one-man tech crew. And he's just absolutely fantastic and a fantastic actor and singer as well. So his birthday, and he's 24 years old. Oh, man. (laughs) Young man. (laughs) Uh, His birthday will be Monday. Uh, Kat Downs, uh, she is a fantastic uh, pianist. And um, I've worked with her, I believe, in the darkroom theater before the darkroom sort of shut down. Uh, were you involved in the Dark Room? Did you know anything about the Dark Room Theater? I did not, know. no. Yeah, so that was only a couple of blocks away from the Victorian. We we sure. should have talked about Ray of Light Theater because you've worked with Ray of Light, when mm-hmm. uh, probably when Shane Ray was there. Yeah. 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 So great memories there. In any case, Cat Downs, her birthday is Tuesday. Um, Lindsay Freeman, her birthday is uh, is Wednesday. I'm trying to think. Um, I'm not sure what show I've worked with her. Brandon Campanile, I know exactly what show I worked with him. He was Jesus in uh, Godspell. And we did Godspell a couple of years ago. And uh, he's a fantastic actor and creative. His birthday is Wednesday. Uh, let's see. And, of course, uh, A.J. Uh, Marquis. He is a uh, actor, dancer, director. He is uh, currently working at... Um, Theodore Rhinoceros, and um, he he and I were on stage, and we did one ten in the Shade, and uh, his birthday is on Friday, and uh, that is it, and there are a couple of shows. Happy birthday to all. Happy birthday to all, <laughs> and I'll remind everyone to uh, check out Bright Star. That'll be premiering October the 4th through the 27th uh, at the Contra Costa Civic Theater. Um, you're listening to someone outside of my patio. Uh, in any Beautiful case, uh, yeah, Bright Star, uh, music bookstore by Steve Martin, and starring <laughs> among a uh, bunch of folks, Paul Plain. <laughs> I'm trying to see if I uh, see any uh, other folks that I, I recognized. Uh, yeah, but it's well, no, it looks like a wonderful, wonderful cast. There are also a couple of other shows that are going on. Uh, there is Stories High 19 at Bindlestiff Studios. Bindlestiff is celebrating its 30th year. Wow. Great Philippine theater. Um, and a great place for the, ba- for the Philippine community, uh, for young, budding actors, writers, playwrights, uh, directors. Lots of
1: great voices around here.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So check out Bindlestiff. Check out Stories High. <coughs> that opened uh, two days ago, and it closes September 21st. Shotgun Players, The Flick. That is uh, going on, and I've heard some wonderful reviews there. Uh, that that's John Tracy? I believe so, yeah. He and is it a genius. <laughs> yeah, and it runs until September the 22nd. I did Evil Dead
1: with him. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, right on. Yeah.
0: Small world, small it's theater awesome. world. <laughs> uh, role Players Ensemble is doing The Glass Menagerie. Uh, that closes tomorrow, so uh, check that out if you, if you can. The Ross Valley Players um, is doing She Loves Me, and that'll be a little while. That'll be from November the 14th through December the 22nd. I mentioned it because Mara uh, S- uh, Soletto will be in that. And Morrow, of course, was in. Um, um, Women on the Verge. That's right, Women on the Verge, mm-hmm. and uh, Three Musketeers. That'll be at the Douglas Morrison Theater. That has already opened uh, this weekend, and it closes uh, September the twenty ninth. A good friend of mine, Jean Mossy, and also Cynthia Logazinski is in the show. The Douglas Morrison Theater. I'll put in a link there's in there. A lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on, and I'm sure there's a bunch more. And if there's anything that I didn't mention. Hit me up on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, and uh, let me know. Paul, did you have a good time?
1: I had a great time.
0: Thank you. Thank you so <laughs> this much. This was
1: awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that, you know, we talked uh, during rehearsals and during the shows like, hey, i got to get you on the yay. So I'm glad that we finally did it. Cool. Thank you so much. Sure. You can find the yay. Of course, you're listening to all this, uh, but you can tell your friends. You can listen to the yay on the Apple Podcast app on um, all iPhones and iPads. Really, any app that you listen to, uh, your podcast, you can find the yay. Um, if you're an old stogie like me and you listen to your podcast on a laptop or a desktop, you can find it on iTunes. Just click on the store, use the search engine on the upper right-hand side, and search for The Yay, you'll find us. We're also on Spotify. Uh, if you are a uh, Android user, download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com and search for The Yay. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. You can find me at reg space clay. You can find Norman at Hoosier Hoosier. Um, Paul, do you use Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram?
1: Uh, I, I'm on there. I'm on. Um instagram and i'm on facebook you can just find me okay
0: if you're looking for a fantastic actor uh if <laughs> paul it can take on yet another role uh look him up uh he is a fantastic uh, I have character. time <laughs> coming
1: up after in october november <laughs> i don't want to sit at home because that would be like a human right
0: right exactly or hey you may have a show going on next year and you're looking for a great uh actor and singer and paul plain tall. you can't go wrong that's right tall paul paul <laughs> <Tall> plain <laughs>
1: Yay for the yay. Yay (laughs) for the
0: yay. Thank you so much. And we've got to find a better sign-off. And we...